two, we're starting at verse one. If you have it, say amen. All right. <clears throat> I'm, as always, reading out of the New Living Translation here because I like the clarity in it. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Verse 2, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building in his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given you. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is that stone, he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Everyone say a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, this is verse 10, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to talk to you tonight under the title, You Are Chosen. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, hey, you're chosen. Praise God. Now point at yourself. Say, hey, I'm chosen too. Praise God. The theme of this whole scripture here is Peter addressing to me what seems like people who are, and if you go back in scripture here to, to chapter one, um, you will see Peter addresses people, and in, in, it says, I'm writing to you, God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's uh, uh, geographers and everything are like, that's modern-day Turkey now, okay? Um, but you, those who are foreigners, those who don't belong in the land, that kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are foreigners here just passing on through. Okay? So in these people, they're not comfortable in the land. They're not 
at home. So, so there's kind of rumblings. Nobody's exactly happy. People tend to get angry and, and get into wrong things when they're not comfortable, when they're not happy where they are. So Peter felt the need to write some very powerful words to these people. And these people, they got into some sin, much like we do today. We get into some sin. We get into some things that we're not supposed to. And, and they forget, they, the people here he's talking to, much like us, forgot. They, they took their eyes off of their purpose. And, and they got engulfed in the, the lies, the sin, the deception in the world. And, and, and their eyes that were once on God were no longer on God. And we know what happens when, when people do that. You see Peter, he took his eyes off God and he started sinking in the water. Okay. And, and Israel, the children of Israel, when they're in the desert, they take their eyes off God before you know it. They got a golden calf. They got all sorts of stuff going on, right? They, instead of rejecting sin, they embraced sin. Friend, when you start embracing sin, you're setting yourself up for failure. When you forget that God has a purpose for your life, you end up in the same position Israel ended up in. Friend, I got to tell you, God's got a plan. It don't matter what the devil says, because I can tell you what. The devil's going to sit right here on your shoulder and say, oh, God doesn't have anything for you. Oh, you may as well just give up now because you're going through so much. God doesn't care about you. Devil, I'm telling you, I got a plan. God's got a plan. And it does not involve you, okay? Peter came out and he started telling these people, he said, look, I can see that y'all are off track. I see that you have problems. And you got to do away with it. That's just what he, Peter was a little nicer than Paul was when Paul came out and started preaching. Paul came out and would, he just laid right into some people and was like, oh my. Peter, a little more polished, comes up and says, hey, y'all might want to fix what's going on here, okay? What, pre, what Peter preached to them, he said, you've got to put it away. Do away with it. He, he preached repentance. That's what he was preaching. Right? You've got to turn away from your sin and turn back to God. He was writing this letter to a people who forgot that God had a plan for them, who forgot their purpose. Friend, this world today has forgotten their purpose. It mirrors the children of Israel when they're way out in the desert. They forgot that God told them, hey, you've got a promised land in front of you. I've got stored up for you. They forgot that the promised land showed that there was milk and honey and grapes and fruit so much they had never seen. The only thing they remembered was the garlic and the spices of Egypt. And they forgot what happened in Egypt. And they only remember the good of Egypt. See, sin is often disguised as good. 
the garlic, the spices, the little good here. But underneath is slavery. Underneath is someone standing on you saying, you got to do what I want you to do or else. Friend, don't end up like the children of Israel. Don't forget God's purpose. Don't focus on the little bit of good that sin is disguised as. That's what happened with these people. Peter comes out and says, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with the deceit, the hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. He said, just be done with it. Get it out of your life. Peter basically told them, you need to get your eyes back on your purpose. He said, God's got a plan for you. I know you're foreigners in the land. I know you're not at home in the land. I know you're under persecution in the land. But keep your eyes off of that. Put them on what's greater. Put them on the horizon. Israel, when they were in the desert, they took their eyes off of the horizon where the promised land was. And they looked at the desert, they looked at the rocks and the sand and the cactus and the dryness, and they focused on how miserable it was, rather than focusing on the fact that they had to get through a little bit of suffering to get to the promise. Friend, a little bit of suffering is nothing compared to what promise awaits us, what promise awaits you. Your purpose is in front of you. Don't focus on the sin, on the desert, on the isolation that you might feel here. Focus on your purpose. Because when you take your eyes off of your purpose, when you forget that you are chosen, you end up in a desert full of nothing but pain and suffering. Israel realized, hey, I'm in a desert. They realized they were in trouble if they didn't get out of their situation. But instead of turning to God and saying, God, get us out of this situation, they blamed God. They said, they went to Moses, Moses, why would you bring us to this vile place, Moses? And I'm paraphrasing scripture, but that's what they said. They said, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt. And in Egypt, we had all the good spices and all this stuff. And you brought us to the desert, Moses. Why? They're like, you brought us, you brought us out of there. You said we're getting out of suffering, but we're here and we're still suffering here. Moses said, you've got to pay attention to what's in front of you. Israel. You've got to look on the horizon, Israel, because your promise is there. Your promise is coming. And there's a strong, strong urging of the Holy Ghost tonight. Somebody might have forgotten their purpose. Maybe that's you. Maybe the devil has clouded your mind. Maybe the devil's convinced you that you don't have a purpose, that you don't have a plan, that God just doesn't care. 
desperate. And I'm telling you, if if God cared enough about Israel to say you might have to go through a desert, but there's a promised land ahead of you, how much more does he care for you? You are a chosen people. Each and every one of us is chosen by God. Each and every one of us has a different path in life, but we all have the same goal. The same end goal is to make it to heaven with God. God's got a plan for each and every one here, and no plan is the same. Your plan is different from your plan. Each path is might go a little different direction, but God says all you got to do is trust in me, and I'm going to get you through it. If God cares enough about a sparrow to, to, to make sure they survive, he cares enough about you, I promise. Yeah. The King James Version in verse 9 uh, uses a, a word that we don't hear very often here. Verse 9 of, of 1 Peter 2, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar we don't hear that word very often anymore. So I said, what exactly does peculiar mean? So I went to the Oxford Dictionary, and I found a couple different definitions. One of them is, is strange or odd or unusual. Another one, which I like a little better, is particular or special. God says you're a special person. You people are special to me. Think about it. The God of the universe picked you and you and you and you and me and said, uh, you're something special out of everything. God, he spoke the world into existence. Yet he looks past all of that to you and to me and says, you're special says, I've got a plan for you. Praise God. Do you believe that you're a chosen people? As Christians, we're called to stand out and to be different from the world, to reflect the light of Christ. We're in the world, but not of this world. We're called to be different. We're called to... to not make a show of ourselves, but to make let other people know that, hey, we've got something that you need. Not to sound boastful or, or be a braggart or anything, but we're saying, say, world, I know something you don't, and you need to know it too. It's not saying I'm better than you. It's saying, look, come on. I want you involved. I want you to have what I have. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be a witness to this world, a witness to the sin and to the vileness that's out there. There's people out there who are caught up, so caught up in it, they don't know which way to turn. They think there's no way out. We're called to be that person who says, hey, I got a way out for you. I know somebody who can get you out of this mess. Mm. 
You're a chosen generation. People like to talk about generational curses and and this and and, and they just write off entire generations of people because of the sin of one person or of what one other person did. I just got to tell you that God doesn't it doesn't matter to God. God doesn't matter what happened in your past. The devil sits there and tells you and makes you remember what you did in the past. He makes you remember the dark days, the sin, every little detail he will bring back to your mind and say, look, you remember that? God didn't forgive you of that. He will. And if you say he doesn't, well, pastor's going to have to preach another message, okay? Because he does. He does it to me. Every little thing, he likes to cloud your mind and and convince you that you're just another sinful person with no way out. That's what he likes to do, okay? And I, I just have a personal testimony that if God can do this with me, he can do it with you. Over the course of my the last, I don't know, few months or a year, going through the ministerial licensing process, I have uh, made a connection with our district secretary, Pastor David Carruthers. I don't know if you know him. If you don't, he's a great man. And it's more than just uh, passing, hey, how are you doing? I feel like there's a connection in the Holy Ghost there. And the Lord's going to use that for something. I don't know what. But there's that connection that is undeniable. And this past month, a few weeks or a month ago, you've heard us talk about men's conference. You've heard us uh, say many great things about the messages that were preached. On that Friday night, the last night of conference, Pastor Brother Tisdale preached a great message. And at the end, an altar call, I made it up to the front along with, I don't know, 200 or so other people that were there. There was everybody packed up to the front. And I was in my little corner worshiping and just meditating on God. Across the building was where the leadership of the district was sitting. And, and Pastor Carruthers was over there along with all the other leadership. I was there praying and worshiping, and, and I hadn't said hello to Pastor Carruthers. It had been too busy. I hadn't been able to go over there and see him. He walked over to me through a crowd of probably 200 people up there. And I was praying, worshiping, and just lost in the Holy Ghost. He tapped me on the shoulder. He says, Brother Nix, I want to talk to you for a minute. Snapped me out of my worship. I'm like, uh-oh, what do I do now? And he says, Brother Nix, the Holy Ghost told me to tell you something. He said, I was standing way across the way. And the Holy Ghost picked you out. And he said, you go tell Brother Tyler Nix this. And he said, Brother Nix, the Holy Ghost told me that I've got something great for you. He said, I've got something in store that you don't even, you don't even imagine. And he said, I don't know what it is, but the Holy Ghost told me to come tell you this. Friend, if the Holy Ghost has a plan for me, how much more is his plan for you?
I just want you to know that God's got a plan for your life. Whatever it is, don't get caught up in the sin. Don't get caught up in the desert because we all go through the desert, my friend. We all go through trials and trouble and tribulation. Keep your eyes on the horizon, my friend. Keep your eyes on the promised land. Because the promise is greater than any trial or tribulation you could ever get through, my friend. If you would stand with me. I had more notes, but I feel like this is where the Holy Ghost wants us to to stop. God's plan for Israel involved the desert, but in the end, he said, there's the promised land for you. I don't know what God's plan is for your life, my friend. It might involve a desert. It might involve an ocean. It might involve a mountain that you've got to climb over. But keep your eye on the promise. Keep your eye on the purpose. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. And whenever the devil comes to you and says what your family did way back when is going to affect you today, and what your family did then, whatever's attached to your last name or to your family name, it's going to affect you and you're never going to be anything. Tell him, devil, get thee behind me, Satan. Friend, don't let the devil do that. He will tell you that because of what your great-great-grandfather did way back when, you're never going to be anything. Devil, I'm telling you, God's got a plan. You tell the devil, looking square in the eyes, and say, God's plan for me is greater than the trial you put me through. Would you worship? Would you raise your hands and worship with me? And if you